Hello and welcome to The Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean, joined as always by the lovely Joe Howie. Joe, that was certainly a basketball game that we just watched. That's really all I can say for certain about that one. Well, for certain, you think I'm lovely. That was a nice compliment to start today. But um, that was something. It doesn't feel like we just beat them by 30. Not at all. The box score, the final score is definitely misleading. Um, if you watch the game as closely as Matt and I do, you'll you're, we're going to have a lot of takeaways that, you know, will not sound like this team just won by 28 points. But here we go. This is one you just – it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's wrapped in a pretty bow. So let's get into yeah. it. Yeah, the final on this one, the Friars take game two against Sacred Heart, 92-64. to 64, Advanced to 2-0 and oh on the season, but not as pretty as the 92-64 to 64 score would indicate. This game it was a seven-point game. At the break, the Friars led 43-36. to 36. Sacred Heart hit, hit eight. Eight three-pointers in just the first half. That's that's an unbelievable number to give up, which we're certainly going to have to circle back around to. And This game was tied, or Sacred Heart had the lead for a lot of the first 15 minutes, prompting Ed Cooley to hit the screw-it button and throw Andrew Fonson, which, glad to see that button still works. Here in year 500 of Andrew Fonts being on the Friars, definitely a little alarming to have to hit that in game two against Sacred Heart. Andrew Fonts, um, I don't even know where to begin with him, but uh, yeah, definitely alarming that in the first half, Andrew Fonts is recording significant minutes. And the fact that he hit the three and then had a play drawn up for him to shoot another three is seriously alarming because... If you look at the roster of backcourt shooters that we have, Fonts should not be your first option. But if you look at the roster of backcourt shooters that we have and the way they were playing defensively in the first half, I guess we were SOL and Fonts was our option. Uh, I mean, there's no better way to put it than that. Uh, defensively, this team, it looked like from the close of the game on Tuesday night to the, the opening tip tonight, no one – took anything away from Fairfield and decided that, you know what, it was just a freak thing and we're going to play another mid-major and we don't really have to play defense because two seasons ago we blew them out on this floor. No. Yeah. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, the Friars' this defense was just allowing too much space. It's not – wasn't really any one player. I think there are players that can be singled out, but it was an overall thing. Friars were given an extra six inches – and Sacred Heart took advantage of it early. I can give them credit for that. They came out with their hair on fire, ready to play, just like Fairfield does. This is a better Sacred Heart team than they look on paper. They just beat LaSalle on the road. So they were coming in with some confidence, too. But, man, I mean, if, if not for them kind of fading in the second half and the Friars figuring things out, this could have gotten real ugly real early. I mean, this is... Uh, it's a Sacred Heart team that's ranked, what, in the Ken Palm? To do something. 249. You know, 249. Wolf. Okay. And that, the 249th ranked team in Ken Palm. What are we ranked? Uh, we are 86th after this one. We came into Jeez. it 86th. I don't think this moved us 
the last game didn't really move us either. I, I wouldn't expect. Um, just a fun fact as I'm thinking of it now, Fairfield and Sacred Heart are 15 minutes from one another. I wonder if they exchanged notes uh, yesterday when Fairfield came back and Sacred Heart was do, on their way up. But Do we know that they actually played Sacred Heart or did Fairfield just switch into other red jerseys? No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't see I didn't see Supreme Cook or Chris Mido out there. Oh, Those true, lanky, true, true. Those lanky yeah. dudes from Fairfield, absolutely not. No, this was this was just another mid major that came out with the three point bug because uh, I mean that's the second time in three nights that we let a mid major program ranked deep in the two hundreds, you know, just stroke it from beyond the arc with ease on our home floor. I have to say, one of the alarming things for me in this game, when you look at the pregame stuff, Sacred Heart does not have any big players. And Nate Watson had trouble getting going early on. I've yeah. Double-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds. But No, yeah, Matt, that's a great point. Um, Fairfield isn't exactly the, the largest or girthiest team that I've ever seen. And the fact that Watson was struggling down low, one, um, is seriously alarming. I mean, he still had a double-double, so I don't think it's anything that he did. But I, I think the the fact that when he is double-teamed or in some instances triple-teamed, the fact that we can't make up the slack around the perimeter, around the mid-range, is seriously a concern. Absolutely. And I think the number one name that sticks out, the guy who you were looking to step up this year, A.J. Reeves. I mean, that's supposed to be the other guy in this offense with Watson, at least on paper. Did not have a bucket in the first half. Only played 20 minutes of the game. I mean, he was was basically benched at a point because he couldn't play defense and he couldn't score. And, I mean, if you can't do either of those, why would you be on the floor? He was benched at the start of the second half. In fact, Ed Cooley changed around the starting lineup for the second half. I believe Reeves was off the floor, and it was Breed, Durham, Manaya, Horkler, and Watson, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering that correctly. But this is kind of what we've seen with A.J. Reeves since the start of his sophomore year. We've seen streaky shooting, inconsistent scoring, and when the going gets tough, he gets benched because – he doesn't play the best defense, and if he's not scoring, then what is he really doing but taking up the slot of someone, i.e. Alan Breed, who will come on and play tough defense and will put give you 15 points. So, yeah. Or, let's talk, I mean, Bryson Goodine, too. Three steals. He yeah. had a really good, strong, only seven points, but I mean, he had a good impact on this game. That's what you're looking for with development. As a role player, that's what Goodine can do for you. And he nope. had he had as many points as Reeves did in less minutes with more steals. I good I was probably the better player tonight. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Not to mention he had all his free throws, which I think yep. given our consistently poor free throw shooting, I think that is a great stat as well. But Bryson Goodine, and this is why I listed him as my sneaky player of the game for the Fairfield game. It just took him a couple hours or forty eight hours, however long. It's been since the Fairfield game, but it took him a couple days to to warm up. But yeah, he just he got the message late. Yeah, he listened to the podcast after the Fairfield game. Exactly. Yeah. But he plays aggressive. And we saw glimpses of this when he got major minutes against DePaul in the Wednesday night Big East tournament game from last year. 
Bryson Goodine is aggress is an aggressive defensive player, and he'll poke the ball away from like the likes of better guards. So I was glad to see him out on the floor tonight. I thought he had a major impact. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of impact you're looking for from somebody that's going to come off the bench like that. Reminds me a bit of Malik White and the way he was able to be an impact player for Providence. Kind of being a dog out there and just fighting with the ball. Good I mean, I don't think he always makes the best decisions in the world, but he knows his lane. He's aggressive. He plays in it. He plays downhill. And he that's what he does. He knows he does it well, and he's going to stick to it. There's a role for that on this team. There absolutely is. And I think you're going to get a more consistent play, at least more consistent effort out of Goodine than you will out of A.J. Reeves, which when you have a fourth-year player who is a top-50 recruit is alarming. Uh, I would agree with your point on Bryson Goodine being a, a Malik White guard off the bench. Although I'd compare more to the likes of Drew Edwards because I'd say Malik was more of a scorer than a defender. Whereas yeah. Drew Edwards would come off and give you gritty defensive minutes. That's who I, I like would compare that. him to. He, he's like a, a higher ceiling, a higher end Drew Edwards. A more athletic Drew Edwards without the injury yeah. problems. I like that, Joe. I like that. That's a good, <clears throat> good comparison right there. Well, because just when I think about Bryson Goodine coming off of the bench, I think of senior year Drew Edwards. So this was the 2018-2019 Friars, Drew Edwards' senior year. He would come off and he'd give gritty defensive minutes. Again, not the best shooter, not the best scorer, but he was, by the end of the season, logging 20 minutes a game because Ed Mm -hmm. trusted his defense. In the the 2018 Big East Tournament Championship game against Villanova, he was the one guarding Jalen Brunson. Like, yeah. He had good defensive abilities, just not the most athletic guy. Yeah. Bryson Goodine, advantage athleticism. Yeah, and in a game like this where you're really struggling to get stops for large stretches, having that guy that you can put in and say, hey, go get a stop, the guy that isn't Andrew Fox that you can put in and say, hey, get a stop, we need some energy, that's that's huge, especially for the East play. So it's good to see him carving out a role there. and. I mean, you play like that, you're going to get yourself opportunities to have a bigger role on this team. And I think, I don't know, it's it's really interesting to me to look at the minutes distribution on this team tonight. Nobody played more than 29 minutes. Nobody hit the 30-minute mark, which I think says a lot about the fact that this team could not get going early. Cooley was shuffling the lineup, trying to find something that would work, and it took forever to click. And that's been a theme of Ed Cooley as a coach, I think. On a night like this, um, Matt, as you know, I'm not a big fan of going nine or more deep. On a night like this, I was okay with it because it kind of got to the point where Ed was throwing, you know, what at the wall to see what would stick. But if I'm counting this correctly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the top nine guys, which is the top nine guys that we saw against Fairfield, are the only players that recorded minutes in double digits. Fonts and Mateus Case were each in single digits. So I think there's still some truth to be told that Ed is going to stick to a tighter rotation. I think the only reason tonight you saw Andrew Fonts come on the floor is because Ed hit the screw it button and was looking for a spark. And towards the end of the game, once you're up 25 plus, it's like, Let's give the freshman a little bit of run. 
But I think to go with that, it's stuff like, I mean, Nate Watson, only 29 minutes. Not that he had a bad game, but they were giving Croswell some run. Croswell played 12 minutes. When Reeves struggles and Bynum has some tough stretches, you see Breed get a lot of playing time. You see Goodine get that playing time. Reeves, Bynum, Breed, Manaya all played 20 minutes. They all got the same amount of playing time tonight. And I don't know. I think this is the real question with this Friars team and has been for a while. Are you going to have guys who play all balanced minutes like that because the team has depth and has a lot of guys that are good? Or is it because you don't really know who's going to be good on any given night and you have to keep scrambling things around until you find whatever lineup works for that given game? To that point, Matt, I would say I think this coaching staff, the fan base, anyone who pays attention to Friar basketball should have a good idea of three guys that are going to be constants or consistent or whatever you want to call them. Um, Watson, Durham, and Horkler. Uh, I mean, Watson and Horkler, you knew leaving last season and coming into this season that they were going to be your two anchors in the paint. Reeves has always been a toss-up, but I think the addition of Durham in place of Duke was supposed to be, yeah, this is our guy. Again, tonight he scored in double figures. He's very steady. What I will say— He missed both of his free throws. That's tough. I mean, uh, that's not even the worst part of it is the free throw shooting with him. These transition pull-up threes drive me nuts with these, these transfer point guards. He does it. Pipkins used to do it. Like, why is that a thing? What in your right mind makes you think, you know what, I'm playing in transition and, you know what, let, let me just pull up a three from four feet behind the three-point arc. Yeah. What's the it matter works, with you? It works when you're hot and you can find your spot. It doesn't if you have an easy lens of the basket and you're struggling like you did at points in this game. Like Durham, two of nine from beyond the arc. That is that is rough. And Reeves was also one of four. The flip side, you have Bree going three for four, which helped you out. Manaya knocked in a three. Fonts hit that three. Horkler added one. Bynum added one. So in the aggregate, the Friars, can you believe this? The Friars shot better from deep than Sacred Heart did tonight. The Friars shot better from deep, but hit yep. one less three-pointer. Yeah, but they were more efficient. And after the first half at Sacred, like it, in no way did the game feel like that, but somehow it is true. Uh, it's remarkable. But yeah, and the the play to me that really switched things up, Durham when he had that that steal and slam, that's when it yeah. really felt like all right, things are tilted in Providence's direction. Just like him sinking all those free throws in game one. Yeah, I agree. And not to mention, I like when Durham plays downhill, which is kind of why I was so ticked off when he was taking those poorly ill-advised, whatever you want to say, transition threes. Like, he is such a good driver. And he has such a, a, a nice array of nifty little moves that he has with the ball. Like, why? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just overreacting to this, but I think he should be driving to the cup more often. Yeah. I think that's something to monitor. I mean, um, it's weird because you just you don't know what to take away from a game like this. The team doesn't play well for large stretches of the game, although there are no individuals for the most part that stand out for singularly bad performances. And then you end up dominating on the stat sheet. And I mean, you had four Friars in double digits. 
everybody that played case had one bucket at two points. Everybody else that everybody that was in the game scored. Everybody else had at least four points. So you had a variety of scorers. I mean, on the stat sheet, this looks like a complete team win with everybody pitching in. You watch it, your eyes tell you a very different story. And I don't really know what to do with that information. Obviously, it's early, so I'm not going to leap to judgments here. But, man, this Wisconsin game, I mean, we're going to get into this in the next episode. We'll do a whole preview for it. But this is going to be something. I don't, I don't know what to make of it going in. I am not going to make any rash season-ending comments right now because, like you said, Matt, it's only two games. What I will say is that opening up two games at home for the first time in 611 days in front of a sold-out, maybe not a sold-out, but a 95% filled Dunkin' Donuts Center to come out and play flat defensively against two mid-major programs from the same town is not a great look especially when you're traveling to Wisconsin to play a well-coached team from the Big Ten. I don't think that's a great look. But what I will say is Ed Cooley has been extremely proactive in addressing the press with respect to his team's attitude. He's not holding anything back with that. And I think that is the right approach as the coach of this team. Yeah, and I think if you want to take one big positive away from this, the team did answer the bell. They played differently in the second half. They ran away with this game, ended it on an 8-0 run, hit four of their last five from the field. They had a 17-2 run in the second half. What they couldn't do against Fairfield, they were able to do against Sacred Heart in terms of putting the game away, and you need to be able to do that. If you don't have the ability to do that, then you're you're just not good enough when you're playing a team like this. So you did see an improvement there, and whatever Cooley said got the team going in the second half. They didn't play perfectly. They didn't clean up all of the mistakes, but there was clearly more effort, and it showed up on the defensive end of the floor. So, I mean, you want to be optimistic. There's That's some tough – like, the team didn't open up with a toughness that they needed to, but they found it in the second half. They still got the win, and they still did turn in a performance that looks good on the stat sheet. And I, again, think – the stat sheet is too kind, but it means something. At, at the end of the day, when February, March, when Biggie's play rolls around, it's not going to matter how we played in the first half against Sacred Heart, because at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win is a win is a win. I'm much happier 2-0 and with two poor defensive performances than I would be 1-1 and or, God forbid, 0-2. So at the end of the day, we walk away from this with a perfect record. But there, there's a lot of work and a lot of improvement to be done it, quite quickly because you go to Wisconsin, you come back home for New Hampshire, and then you're out to the Legends Classic where you're, you tee off with Northwestern, who gave us a fit two seasons ago. So it, the schedule doesn't get any easier, not by any stretch of the imagination. So any defensive tweaks are going to have to be done in tandem with playing these teams. So buckle up. Yeah, you got to. I mean, and that's the nature of college basketball. You have to figure it out on the fly. There's not a ton of preseason. There's not a massive amount of lead time. That's why you have these games. And luckily, I mean, we're not like Villanova that's starting off playing UCLA almost right off the bat or the, the classic they're playing the other day where you get all these, these big teams starting off the season against one another. We're lucky we're not in that boat. We do start with some of these easier games. 
and should we be in contention in March? To the committee, they're going to look back and see, all right, the Friars won their first two games, played a kind of close one, and then blew out the next team. Yeah, we're good. Like, that's that's fine. That's because that happens. Even good teams, really good teams, play down to their opponents sometimes, and that's okay. The key is showing that you have the capacity to do more than that. You have to make those games where you play down the exception, not the rule. Right now, Friars have played 80 minutes of basketball, basketball this year, and I don't know, would you say they've played 55 really good minutes in that span? Something like that? <laughs> I would say 45 because even late in the Fairfield game, we weren't playing fantastic. I'd say 45 of the 85 minutes we've played well, and that number needs to go up. Like Matthew McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street, you got to pump those numbers up. (laughs) Those are rookie numbers. Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump them up. But hey, I mean, it's not, it's better than nothing. I think. The, the asset for this team, too, is there's new pieces, but a lot of veterans. They, they play a lineup out there at points. That's basically all guys that already graduated from school. That's how veteran this team is. So you add that with Cooley's experience and the his ability as a motivator, you don't know what's going to come from this team. I don't know if anybody does. <laughs> the way that this team varies from media timeout to media timeout for any given four minute segment, you never really know what you're going to get. <laughs> you know what, Matt, that as I'm thinking about the age comment you just made, Noah Horkler is my age. He's our age. He's 23 years old. Yeah. And we're both a year and a half removed from college with full-time jobs. Just think about that. Yeah. This is is an adult. What what was that graphic they showed in the Fairfield game? The Friars are over a year older than the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're starting lineup. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. This is an old, this is a veteran team. And we're not the only one. There's going to be a lot of college sports are older this year than I think they've ever been. Or at least have been in a very long time. So hopefully we can use that to our advantage. We got... A handful of tough ones coming up mixed in with a handful of not so tough ones. Take care of the games you should and show something in the other ones. Right now, heading into this Wisconsin game next Monday, Ken Palm gives the Friars a 26% chance of victory. So that's the lowest of any game in the non-conference slate. So just show up. I think that's the goal here. Show up and figure something out. I won't be upset if we lose to Wisconsin. No. By no by no means will I be upset. I'll be upset if we go to Wisconsin and we give up 75 plus points and get blown out by 20. That will make no. me upset. But if you go Let's, and you compete, can we figure out how to get in front of a guy and stop the dribble drive, please? Please. You got to stop dribble drive penetration. You have to be better with switching on ball screens, perimeter defense. There's a lot to work on. And we only have a couple of days to do so before getting on a plane. So they better put that $3 million facility to use. Yeah. All right. I think it's about time to wrap this one up because we will have more for you on that Wisconsin game. I'll leave you with a, a fun little stat here. Thanks in part to just low sample sizes so far. But 
So Nate Watson had his double-double tonight. He's had very strong start to the season, in large part thanks to him. The Friars currently rank 11th in the nation in two-point field goal percentage. <laughs> Thank you, Nate Watson. Yep. And to go with that, they are 14th in the nation in free throws drawn for field goal attempts and also 14th in the nation for block percentage on offense. That's what happens when you drive to the rim, can hit your shots. That gets you to the line. You have big guys that don't get their shots blocked. And credit to Al Durham and Jared Bynum. Both of those guys have gotten crafty around the rim with getting shots up without getting them blocked. Let's not forget Horkler and Manaya as well. Those guys are getting second chance points off of offensive rebounds. Yeah. So that's clearly where this team lives. Obviously, the flip side of that, we are 191st in opposing three-point field goal percentage. So that, that you, that's not sustainable. But we'll leave you on a positive note. The Friars did get a win. They are a very good team in the paint. And they're going to turn around. got a long weekend. And then they'll play at Wisconsin next Monday. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at the Flex Hoops and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to this. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Music, we're on Amazon Music, we're pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you're subscribed to us. And we do have a Twitter group chat going. So if you guys want to interact with other Friars fans, other listeners of the show, please reach out to us. We can add you to that. I think we, we have a bunch of people that requested to join during that game that we got to get on top of. But very active discussion in there. Definitely a good spot to vent a little bit after a tough game. That's for sure. We welcome you all to join us. And uh, thank you for listening. You'll be hearing from us shortly. Go Friars. <laughs>